Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Lee Boyd and Rob Beller. Hey, podcast world. Welcome to a special edition, special edition of FNO InsureTech. Lee and I had the privilege of being at the Elevate Conference last week in we Salt did. Lake City. The mm-hmm. I don't know, what was it, the 10th or 12th or something? Yeah, it was early this year. It was like the 8th. No, not the date. <laughs> Anniversary. Oh. How many have they had? Oh, a bunch. I don't even remember. Yeah. I think over, I've been to Over 10. Yeah, a lot. And yeah. anyways, what was cool? A few things. It's the they used to call it a user conference. Do they still call it that? I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. Anyways, it is um, a conference that's geared towards all those people to whom uh, Exactware or for, formerly known Exactware, Verisk Property Estimating Solutions products are important to, like right. us at Alacrity, like everybody basically in the property claims business. Um, uh, use or has used exact as part of their solution in the past. And so it's a really critical platform to all of us. And we had the a really unique opportunity and privilege by having the two leaders, the mm-hmm. outgoing leader of Vera's Property Estimating Solutions and the incoming leader, both uh, give us a chance to chat with them at Elevate during the conference and and share some thoughts. We have Mike Fulton, who uh, is the just very like seconds ago retired and the gentleman who's coming into the position immediately afterwards, Aaron Bronco, longtime ExactWare team member and leader, and now will be leading the entire org. And they were nice enough to give us to give us some time. Yes, Lee? <laughs> yes. It'll be a great conversation. They're, they're short little conversations. Uh, we're going to get a visit with with Mike first, um, a little bit of a look back on his time, a little bit of insight into what he might be doing. And then we get to jump over to visit with Aaron, uh, where Aaron gets to talk about the future and, and a little bit about his past, but the future, uh, what they're doing, and some really exciting things. Uh, are going to be coming uh, with him taking this this lead. So I think everyone's going to enjoy this. And and thank you both to Mike and Aaron for taking the time to visit with us. Yes. And for those of you in InsureTech, uh, this is an InsureTech that was literally founded in the 1980s, was an InsureTech uh, before there was InsureTech. I mean, when there were green screens. Uh, when when I remember the DOS editions of Exactware. So they've been around for a long time, a legitimate leader and presence in our industry. And so it's, it's uh, a privilege to have a chance to chat with Mike before he goes and to hear what's on Aaron's mind. So without further ado, here's our goodbye and hello with Mike Fulton and Aaron Bronco. Hey, everybody, we're here with a uh, special guest, the only person I know in the insurance business who's ever gotten a standing ovation. That's true. <laughs> that was the first. We have Mike Fulton, the president of 
Veris for now property estimating solutions, but the clock is ticking, right? It isn't it always. So <laughs> yes. A week, so a week from Friday. So oh. February 17th is the day. That's very exciting. That's what you're leading up towards. I, that's where I'm, that's okay. where I'm going. That's here, why so. I'm here. And what happens on February 17th? Mike is turning in his exact credentials and moving on to the next adventure. Well, congratulations. Thank you. That's a wonderful thing. And it after is. how many years? Uh, it would, so it was 30 years last November. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's it, a, is, it has that's been a, run. a lot of change. That's a heck of a run. When I started at the company, there were, I, I'm trying to recall, but I think there were about 28 employees. Okay. And today? Uh, today, 580. Wow. Roughly. Wow. So congratulations. That's a, this is a, a, a big deal. We like to interview you on the day that you do your keynote. Right. And uh, today was a, I would say an abbreviated one. Is is that fair? Yeah. So we've been doing the last couple of years at Elevate, we've been kind of combining people in the keynotes. This mm-hmm. one, because it was a handoff. I mean, uh-huh. I was literally handing the torch over to the next, uh, the next group of leadership. I was, I think I was four minutes, yeah, five not tops, long. not very long. So very said long. what I needed to say. And, and I really just wanted to thank the crowd. It was, it was, uh-huh. it was a special moment for me. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, I I said to you earlier, you kept your composure, in right. which what was I'm sure an emotional moment for you. It, it did feel that way. Uh-huh. It was I and I usually I'm, I mean you've seen me do that. I'm uh-huh. usually not, but I, I I admit it was it was it felt weird. Well, in past years we've seen you in that room ahead of time rehearsing. Yes. Uh huh. But today was a little uh, more from the heart. Just. So today, I mean, in the in past years, and and for anybody that's been to Elevate, and and thankfully the keynotes are are really well done, and they're fairly scripted. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, and that's just helps mm-hmm. them to go smooth, sure. and it also helps for the timing because you've got you've got yeah. sixty minutes, and you need to be you need to be off the stage. Uh, this this time they gave me, they said you got five minutes, say what you want to say. Yeah. And so I just I, I got up and I did I had some notes, I had some key things I wanted to say, and so, and we got that through. So um, let's just go back over your career real briefly. You aren't a technologist by trade, right? Well, 30 years ago, I was not. You were were a general contractor, right? So how in the world did you get, just take us real quickly how you got to be all the way to here, the the outgoing president. Oh, well, I mean, if you want to go back that far through history. So I was, uh, came out of high school and uh, was, was a GC, you know, worked with a group of, like a lot of guys did, worked with a group of friends out of high school, got on a crew, and we did everything from roofing to framing to finish carpentry and drywall, just anything that we could do. And I eventually broke uh, on my own and became a GC and did remodeling. I did uh, some insurance restoration work. And just as we were talking earlier, we, I had come out to Utah well, actually, before that, I, I decided to go back to school, got my degree, uh, and did that. Yeah. I wanted to learn the technology side of it because I knew I wasn't my back was not going to support me swinging a hammer for the rest of my days. And right. I wanted something better than that. Um, and I was starting to have children at the time, so that 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 changes yeah, one's equation, perspective, right? Uh, right? Absolutely. Uh, so uh, we came from Atlanta, made the drive, the twenty five hundred mile drive out here to Utah, where my wife's distant family is from because they had a family reunion. And I just said, we, we got to get out there. We sold everything, moved out here. Uh, I, my plan was to start up a construction company when oh, I came okay. here. Um, 
timing of events. Uh, you know, by the time we got here and closed on our home, it was it was October. My wife was eight and a half months pregnant with our second. Uh, winter was coming on. I thought I better get a job. And of course, this was 1992. This is when you looked in the one ads, right? In the newspaper. That's, right. Remember, remember those? These things oh, yeah. Newspapers. Before the internet. Uh, and saw uh, an ad for a company that said, we need someone with construction experience. And if you know how to use a computer, that's great. That's a plus. Yeah. And so I came in and applied. I'd never heard of Exactware before or Exactivate. I mean, it was young. Back then, so the company was founded in '86. This was 1992. It was fairly young. It had just signed some some pretty big accounts. Right. Uh, started at the company in tech support. It was it was intended to really just be a temporary gig mm-hmm. for me to get me through the winter, you know. And I hit it off uh, with the gentleman that was the founder. You know, common background uh, in reconstruction, and he just he never gave me a reason to leave. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said this morning, he made me feel like I was part of something bigger. Right. And just, uh, it, it was, it was, I'd always been self-employed prior yeah. to that. So to have someone paying for health benefits and paying me to take vacation time, that was a new thing yeah. to me and uh, it was quite enjoyable. So I just stuck with it. Just stuck with it. And so, and so you've been the president here for about eight years. Is that right? Yeah. 2015. April oh, okay. 2015 is when I took over that role. And so whenever you look back over those years, what are you most proud of? What are you happy about? What are you leaving? You know, there's been so much, um, so many advances on the technology side, and everybody that's in this space is just scrambling to keep up, and it's accelerated even since COVID. I, you know, apart from everything that we've done in that period of time, I think the one thing that I've really tried to strive for is just try to keep that company at a time when it was growing just in just by leaps and bounds to to keep a kind of a family-oriented culture, yeah. you know, to keep people engaged uh, yeah. and uh, enjoying the business. We had been acquired. We were acquired in 2008 by what was ISO, and then when they became public, the name was changed to Verisk. And it's, and, you know, when you have a large company that's, that's taking over, there's a lot of desire to centralize things, and it's a, it's a different world. And you're trying to, as a leader, you're trying to bridge that gap between the local culture uh, and the corporate culture. And I think that's, if anything, I think that's the one thing I tried to do the most, apart from growing the company, obviously. Obviously. But, the, but, but your big challenge, as you saw, it wasn't necessarily what new technology needs to be pushed out, but how, how do I deal with the people that are, that are doing that? How do I make yeah. the experience good for them? Yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've always had ideas from a technology perspective and was involved early on with, with the development of Sketch. Uh, and, you know, the payment tracker and exact analysis and, and all of those other things. But, you know, we've, we've always had a great team. We've always had a deep bench of folks. And, you know, Aaron, who's taking sure. my place, he's yeah. grown up within the organization. People that understand it and get the technology. And as any leader, you rely on your people, mm-hmm. right? Uh, because you just, you can't do it all. And, you know, the best manager is a good mentor. And so you're trying to help to steer people and, and provide direction. And that's, that's really what I did. I like that. We interviewed you, I think, maybe back in 2019. But whenever we first started interviewing you, we talked about the open ecosystem and how right. it was a, a, a new idea and exactly where it was going to open. And we showed up here and there was a whole room full of partners that, that, that you've, you've integrated with. Right. And I feel like that's something you did. That's something that you yes. and the team have done 
and and good job on that. Tell me a little bit about that. Has that been a struggle? Has it been hard? No, well, not really. I think the struggle is that we haven't been loud enough about the fact that we've been a pretty open ecosystem. Uh, I mean, we it's it's an interesting world in the technology space, yeah. and you know we've we've had the luxury of having you know kind of the platform on which the property uh, insurance uh, ecosystem runs, mm-hmm. uh, obviously with exact analysis. And in some ways, with everybody living on that platform, they don't want you to to hold back and keep people from from getting whoever they want on that platform to to help them do their business. And we've always been pretty open. We were usually pretty we were pretty closed off about those that would were in a competitive space with us. Right. But I think that was the big shift that we had to make is that we have to say, look, guys, we've got to open it up and allow people the choice. And if we can't do it better, faster, cheaper, shame on us. Yeah. But it's it's really up to the customer. We'll we'll manage the platform. So we've been pretty open from an ecosystem perspective. This particular conference where we've opened up that solutions gallery to let all of those ecosystem partners come in and have a have a platform themselves to demo their product and pitch their wares is is what's new. But I think we haven't been loud enough about it, and that's yeah. what we've got to do better about. The the uh, w- when Lee and I were preparing for today to meet you today, uh, we were talking about being a platform. And, and it occurred to us that if you are a platform, if you're going to call yourself a platform and be a platform, you have a responsibility, right? in this case, to the industry that you serve. Yes. Right? I mean, you're not a social platform. You're a, you're a business platform. You're an industry platform. Right. And so the, the industry has to count on you to make decisions that not only benefit you, but that benefit the industry. Correct. Right? Correct. And that's a tough spot to be in. Well, you, or, you, or, or it, a lot of responsibility. You have to change your perspective. You have to not be so myopic about your particular business and, mm-hmm. and growth within that business. You have mm-hmm. to think about what the customer wants. Uh huh. Yeah. I mean, how do you stay uh, a platform if, unless you're open? True. Yeah. True. Yeah. So with with the platform itself, where where is it going? you know, you're, you, you've been in the meetings, right? You've been, there's a, there's a plan. Is it just more of the same? Just continue to open up, continue to grow, continue to be that platform of, of, of truth and helping people. I loved what you said in the keynote about how it's all about helping people, mm-hmm. right? I mean, is that, is that what we are going to expect moving forward? It's just more about serving the customer, serving the client, however it may be, inter, you know, integrating, doing what, whatever needs yeah, to be well, done. Yeah, well, I think if we can help our customers serve their customers, mm-hmm. then we're doing our job. And I like, like that. I said, I mean, we're a tool provider mm-hmm. uh, and uh, we, we have to think of ourselves as, as such. But um, going forward from an ecosystem perspective, I mean, everybody is moving towards automation. Right. I mean, ultimately, they want to be able to take a picture with their, with their mobile phone or their handheld device and, and have an estimate be created from that. Uh, and when you think of all of the different links in that chain, whether it's FNOL at the very front end, first notice of loss and payment at the back end, I mean, there's coverage verification and fraud detection and there's valuation and then there's claims workflow and all those things, all these links in the chain that have to be stitched together in the right order. We want to, I mean, Veris obviously wants to be able to provide all of those that we can, but we also want our customers to be able to insert themselves or any other third party into one of those links if that's what they want to do. So ultimately that's, that's the direction we want to be the platform. We also want to provide good solutions, 
but we want to be open enough and provide the flexibility for folks to be able to choose their own options. That's great. And so moving forward, um, you had a, you had approached um, Bear Risk and said, hey, I'm going to be uh, retiring. And, and you worked on a plan, right, to elevate Aaron. Tell me about that. What did that look like? What, what went into the uh, su- succession plan in getting Aaron to this point? Well, I, Aaron was kind of the heir apparent. I mean, he was, he was the guy that seemed to be the one that uh, could step into that spot. And I mean, as a part of any business, you do succession planning, yeah. right? Because you, as, an, as a manager, you should be doing that for those people who work for you. 100%. Because if, heaven forbid, somebody gets hit by a bus or something better happens to them and they end up leaving, you, you want those decisions to be made on your time, mm-hmm. right? So you want to be able to make those decisions. It's a constant plan. And that's something that we do at Verisk. So Aaron um, has been with the organization, as I said, uh, up on stage 22 years. Good. I, I still think of him as a kid. You know, good kid um, and really sharp. And I think he's he's got what it takes to lead the organization through the coming changes that we need to make. And so I'm I'm happy. Good. Yeah. Good. What would you like your legacy to be if there were to be such a thing in this business as you exit? That's an interesting question. Yeah. Of all the questions I've been asked today, that's not one that I've been asked. Um, you know, just that we we tried to to serve the customer, serve the industry, and make it make it a better place. I think that's that's really all it boils down mm-hmm. to. Did we always succeed? No, but uh, I think we've we've always been pretty open and honest with folks and, and tried to do our best. So the real question that I've been wondering about today is: What old wrecked car is sitting in your garage, <laughs> waiting for you to transform? into uh, some gorgeous classic. So for those listening, Rob and I have had great discussions about this in the past, and, and we had one just leading up to this today. I don't have any old wrecked car in my garage. Would I like to? Yeah, probably so. Okay. Um, right. Don't know how that's going to work out. I mean, uh-huh. I just, I've been telling people, because people are always asking me, what's next? What are you going to do? Yeah. I said, I don't, I, you know, I'm going to take a few months and figure that out. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. Uh, will, I, will I restore some old cars? Probably, maybe. Okay. Will okay. I flip a house or two? Maybe. Will I do something different? Will I get back in the technology space? Maybe. Who I, Who knows? We just yeah. don't know. Okay. Well, um, it's been a privilege for us. Yes. To have you around. And I, somebody posted um, on LinkedIn, uh, you know, congratulations, Mike. It's been great. And like you have hundreds of likes to yeah, it. Yeah. And I was going to say, I was going to put on there, but I'll just say it to you instead that I, of all the people that we work with in this industry, you are by far one of the most pleasant and generous <laughs> and generous 100%. Uh, and accommodating person. I mean, you for, for us, you're kind of a big shot. You're a big shot in our space that we work in every day. Sure. And, but you've never, ever been anything but kind and generous with us. And so we say to that, thank you. And we wish wow. you all the best. Well, you guys are too kind. Uh, it's it's been fun for me. You, I, you, I've told you, I really yeah. enjoy doing these things. We used to come right out of the keynote and right go right out. into the hallway while people were mulling around <laughs> and put right. on the headphones. That's right. And- That's right. And in fact, Lisa's this is your fifth time on. Yes, I believe this is fifth time. And I believe it. Last and, time, yeah. And you know, five timers get the FNO and SureTech podcast 
smoking jacket. Oh, no. oh nice. <laughs> so they're on back order. They're on back order. So there's that supply chain. Well, they say, like any, any jacket I wear is smoking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <there you> <laughs> yeah, it's it's out on a ship somewhere. Okay. Yeah, but we're not so, sure where. But leave us your address. COVID thing. Whatever. Yeah. You leave us your address and we will mail it to you and we'll come visit you and drive around in that cool car. You guys are great. Once it's done. You guys are great. I hope we stay connected. I agree. Uh, Definitely. When you're out here in town, let's, I mean, I'm not moving off planet. Let's, Absolutely. Let's, let's well, you know, same time next year is what we say about Elevate, right? You're right. Okay. We're always here. So we'll look forward to that. Thanks. Thanks, Thank guys. You. Thank Best you wishes. so much. Thanks, Mike. Really appreciate the time, the insight, and the well wishes, and we wish you all the best as you continue on. And here's our intro and hello to the new president of Veris Estimating Solutions, Aaron Bronco. Hey, everybody. We're here with another special guest at Elevate, Aaron Bronco, who's the senior vice president as of today, mm-hmm. but in 10 days, something like that, who's counting, <laughs> something yeah. like that, will be the new president of Verisk Property Estimating Solutions. You got it. Did or, I get that right? Or Exactware. Or, or Exactware. Which as, is what most people recognize. As we brand we as, as those, those of us who've been here for longer than 10 minutes, yep. call it. Although, have you noticed there's a lot of new faces there, yeah. there are. Did you do you see that out in the crowd here at Elevate? Absolutely, absolutely. And and that's one of the things, the data points that we look at. So I'm uh-huh. a data nut, uh-huh. too much so, but just classifying how many people said that this is their first time uh-huh. is tremendous. There's really? a lot of people that have come for the first time. So uh-huh. we're forging a new experience for cool. those individuals, which is great. That. Well, let me let's let me start by saying congratulations. Thank you. This is a big. A big deal, big step in your life. Congratulations! Um, tell us a little bit. About who the heck are you, and yeah. where did you and where did you come from? We've been fortunate enough to have Mike on the podcast five different times. Five times. We always usually try to get him right after the keynote happens, mm-hmm. and so um, as the baton is being passed here, we wanted to have you on, and and excited to have you. And tell us how in the world did you end up here? <laughs> That's a good question. I think a lot of people have that question. Uh, myself included, <laughs> a lot uh-huh. of times. How on earth did I get here? <laughs> uh, but it, it's it's good. There's a great organization that takes care of customers and our employees, right? And that's that's been something that Mike has really lived for a long time, right? We really take care of our employees. It's customers first. That's always what the mantra is, and that's been my whole career. I mean, if you ask my wife, <laughs> she would very much say that uh, you've absolutely put customers in the business first. A good example of that was when I was in technical support many, many, many years ago, I had a key contact and the key contact would reach out to me as kind of an escalation point anytime something would happen. And this was for a larger account. And I'd been working for the organization for a year, and then I got married. Yeah, we were on our honeymoon, and the phone call came in. Of course, I told my of new course. my new bride that I'm going to get out of the pool, and I'm going to just take care of this little issue, and and then I'll be back. And so, you know, an hour later, I was back, and 
my wife learned who she <laughs> married early on. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But it's instances like that where I am always willing to go above and beyond for the customer, and then the chips will fall where they fall. You uh, In the keynote today, you talked about how you um, have been here for a long time, many years, and in fact, grew up in the same town that, that James Loveland grew up in, right? Yep. Isn't that, or w- was, was living in. And so how many years ha- have you been here at Exactware, I guess? Is that what it was called whenever you started here? Yeah, 22 years. 22 years. So, so next month, it'll be officially 22 years. Okay. So, so what all have you done in oh, those 22? What, what, what roles have you had? How long do we have for this? You know, get good old, good old 30 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> okay. So I started out in technical support, then I moved into kind of an elevated technical support where I did direct repair program setups and then handled support escalations. This yeah. was a smaller organization. Uh, then I went and, and did QA testing on Xactimate and fell in love with Sketch and just sketched the heck out of everything. Yeah. And then I, I decided to uh, play my, my hand at sales for a little while. I worked for Scott Severe when yeah. he was at the organization. Great guy. Great guy. Love Scott to death. Yeah. And then he finally got sick of me and said, hey, you got to go try to be a trainer for a little while. Okay. So training. Then I did implementation and account management. Then I worked for Ryan Smith and helped build up exact contents. Yeah. Then I did uh, claim experience. And then I took over our claims products area. And then they threw a rock at me and hit me. And now I'm the president. I mean, we're not saying it's mail room, uh, but I mean, that's. That is a long, that is a, that's pretty close, a path. That is a path. So what was it like whenever they approached you and said, Hey, we have this plan. Is this something you're into? What, what was that like for you? You got it. Let's yes, do it. No problem. Man, Next step. Rock and roll. <laughs> that's, that's how it always is. That's how it is. I mean, and, and you're coming in after Mike Fulton, you know, a, a leader, some might say an icon in the industry, right? So what is that like? What do you, what do you feel? And you feeling any pressure? Or are you just going to take that legacy and just keep moving with it? Yeah, it's it's keep moving with it. There mm-hmm. are things that I, anybody would do things a little bit differently sure. based upon circumstance, your background, education, et cetera. Yeah. Mike's done a great job. Uh, I have an obligation to our customers, to our employees, to our shareholders to really move things forward, to yeah. expedite the business. So the speed at which we execute has to move forward. Uh, I think we've been a little bit slower to execute than what the industry. Methodical. Yeah, Yeah, but I mean, let's let's call a spade a spade, right? We should be moving faster than we are. And I very much believe that. I've seen the data. There's things that we can do that Mm -hmm. sit right in front of us, Mm -hmm. and we're going to go after them. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited, and I'm aggressive. You're very aggressive. I think, and and don't you come in to this at a very interesting point. Like today during your keynote, you put up a slide that showed all the many companies that you're integrated with. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I didn't count how many. There were, there were dozens. 20, 25 plus. Um, on there, including some competitors. Mm-hmm. So talk about the challenges that you face now in the current environment, both for our industry and for technology. So the way that I see it is there's a lot of great innovation out there. And I made the joke that it's kind of the Verizon guy. Can you hear me now? We've got almost a connection issue, right? Mm-hmm. Where, where frankly, there's great innovation, but it's not connected in a way that drives that value forward. 
and and we've we've made some progress on it, but there's a lot that has to be done in order to allow for what what I would consider to be democratized connections where mm-hmm. the customer would control it. So when the carrier says, I want to connect to this thing that doesn't even actually involve insurance, right? right. I want to right. do my own Twilio implementation as right. an example. Why shouldn't they be able to do that? Right. right. We saw some of those on the list. I mean, that weren't obvious insurance plays. Absolutely. Right. And, uh-huh. and we have other customers that are doing that now. I can't mention the names uh-huh. of those companies because they right. consider that to be strategic for their, sure. for their company. But we're creating new uh, open APIs uh-huh. for those customers to be able to tap into it for some other little company that you've probably not heard of. And, and isn't that that we were talking earlier about uh, offline, Lee and I were talking about being the platform. It's kind of a big responsibility. Right. I mean, you guys are a uh, you guys can inhibit progress. You can magnify or accelerate progress uh, because you're the platform that all these other things are existing on. Is that how it feels to you that you're that you have a responsibility to the industry because you're running a platform? Absolutely. It's it's an obligation, obligation and a responsibility. So Mm -hmm. it's both that we need to do that for our customers. If we Mm -hmm. don't. They're going to ask other people to do it for them. Mm-hmm. And then they leave. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And I don't want that. Mm-hmm. What is your view on partnerships? For many years, I would look, me personally, I would look at, at Exactware at the time and I would say, well, you know, they normally would just build it themselves or, or do something. What is your view? Is it is it if there's a software out there, a system that's good, we're going to partner with it? Are you open to partnerships or are you still, a, we want to build it ourselves? It depends upon what it is. Okay. It, it might not be an either or, but potentially a both, right? I like that. And and if it's a case where there's a capability that we can build and based upon a particular customer's unique needs, that's what's going to fit the mold, then awesome. But if another customer says, that doesn't meet my differentiated strategy, then we we shouldn't block them. We should let them bring their particular integrator in. And if they choose that that's not us, that's okay. Now, I will say that there's a caveat, okay. right? And, and this is just strategic rationale, right? If you take a strategic course, what do they say that you should never outsource? Your core distinctives. I like that. Okay. okay? So you can, you, can, you can keep your core distinctives vertically integrated, but you never outsource those core distinctives. Otherwise, you're going to get disrupted. Mm-hmm. And so... Core distinctives can change over a period of time, but I think it's worthwhile for us to really evaluate what those are, right? Maybe it is some part of the platformed ecosystem that we play a role in, right? If you think about really the the pricing that, that we offer, the building cost data, how much effort really goes into that to get it right. Yeah. And when you have both sides angry at you, so contractors and insurers, then you know you found the sweet spot. Yeah. That's a tough thing to do. And yeah. there's a lot that goes into it. And so I consider that to be one of our core distinctives, core competencies. And so I, I don't anticipate us outsourcing that kind of a thing. I mean, that's really, like you said, that is your core. At the end of it, there's all this platform, but we all come here for the pricing. Give us a fair price. So that's what you see on the surface. Okay. Okay. But if you think about and how long have we been doing this? A while. Over Quite a while. Years, yeah. Right? And so yeah. think about what customers, 
1986. So customers have asked us, I need you to build this thing in. I need you to build that thing in. I need you to build this thing in. I mean, think about over the years what we've built for customers, mm-hmm. what lies deep within the code, the capability. I mean, our, our own employees sometimes have a hard time understanding how complex that is. And that's actually something pretty unique. The actual development that we've done for customers, I mean, think about how we do some of the calculations at the very low-level uh, environment for how we handle like coverages. And you have to deal with like the penny rounding and you have to be able to handle the different versioning of estimate updates. That's a big deal, especially with a financial solution like Xactimate. Right. And even talking about that, you hit on it in the keynote today about labor and, and inflation. I mean, what is that like? Are there teams that are working on this pricing for whenever a hurricane hits? I mean, prices go up, oil, oil supplies. I mean, you've got to have huge teams working on these supply chains, inflation, interest rates, costs going up like crazy. Is that, is that what, what, what you have here? Absolutely. And, and for us, it's also evaluating what that looks like on the underwriting side, right? So we look at the macroeconomic trends, we track that information, and there's deep analysis. And then there's an awful lot of hard work that goes into ensuring that you have a fair and appropriate price. Uh, doing that on both the underwriting and the claim side is of massive importance. You don't want to get into an underinsurance situation. And so we do everything that we can to try to guard against that and then make sure that that, that, that back end piece really does uh, make whole the policyholder based upon that initial promise when you sell the policy. Yeah. And so we, we strive to really do a good job on that and make sure that we are dialed in when it comes claim time. We have got to hit on the buzzwords at this conference, AI, uh, machine learning. Mm-hmm. You know, what are you doing or what's on the roadmap or, or what's being done to implement some of this um, machine learning or AI into uh, the proper the, the property estimating solutions world? Yeah. So I've used analogies before in the past. And I, I, I think about it in terms of the self-driving car. Yeah. Right. And what was the first thing that you saw with a self-driving car? Actually, I'm going to back up even further. Let's think about just from a safety standpoint. Can you guys think of maybe the first thing that helped from a safety standpoint? That's a good question. First indicator in a vehicle. It's annoying. It's the little seatbelt seat light. Seat belt light. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's yeah. exactly yeah. what I was thinking. Right. Seatbelt uh-huh. seat uh-huh. light. Or the, the, dog, the little ding. Then the ding. Uh-huh. Okay. Then what? Mm-hmm. You know the little sonar sensors so you don't back into a wall? Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? Those are great. Backup so, camera. So what was that evolution like? And I where are we today? Right. So you have safety and then you have convenience. Mm. But do you have the vehicle that's running around and driving itself yet? No. No. So I think about it in terms of somewhat of an evolution and then there's revolutionary moments that leap you forward. I'd say we're a little bit further ahead than the seatbelt light, but I think we're probably at the sonar backup, right? It's going to notify you. There's tremendous opportunity, though, when you look at the compliance side of it. So that's what I consider to be the safety aspect of it, Mm -hmm. state regulation, how you can depreciate, how you can't depreciate. Some of those are going to be kind of the warning aspects of it. And then if you think about the self-driving car, you're able to focus on other things that matter other than maybe just the road in front of you. 
right? So you might be able to have a different conversation with, with a passenger or hopefully not playing your phone, but you see a lot of people do that. To what extent, if you think about technology in workflow or an estimation, I believe it's going to be an enabler to have whoever that professional is put more focus on not the software, but on some of those meaningful exchanges that you would have with a customer, mm -hmm. as an example. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think you're going to see more of that in the future. Yeah. That's more augmentation as opposed to just completely driving out jobs, right? Everybody mm -hmm. thinks that this robot's going to take their entire job. I think you're going to find efficiencies. I think that there will be, you know, employee turnover to where maybe you don't have to replace, but I think it'll be filled through attrition as opposed to uh, AI stealing everybody's job. Could be wrong though if you if you play with open AI, like that's scary, crazy good. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. amazing. <laughs> was, was it you that had the poem up today? Or, uh, uh, no, uh, we had our tech. Our that that was the other speaker, right? Yeah. Yeah, right. I've written many poems through open AI. I have as well. It tells some pretty amazing stories. It's pretty uh -huh. dang good. Uh -huh. <laughs> you just have to wake up early in the morning to use it. Yeah, you can't get locked out. Yep. You've got to be there early. You got it. I want to talk about the people side of this for a minute. You're, a, I'm, For me, I'm an old guy. You're a young man in your early 40s. You still have all your hair. Taking over. Well, you know, I'm lucky. <laughs> That's a, I Believe me, I had nothing to do with it. Uh, uh, so... Uh, we had Mike on uh, the podcast just recently, and he said that the best manager is a good mentor, which I thought was great. I loved that. How do you feel about stepping into being the leader, not only of the organization and of where the product is going and how to get there, big picture things, but also of an, of an army of people, if you will, mm -hmm. over 500 employees in your group? Yep. T talk about becoming the leader of uh, of a large group of people. Yeah, absolutely. And and I in my prior role, I had about half of that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I had okay. a ton of employees. So you had some practice through me. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And and in many cases, employees need to feel inspired, right? They're working towards something that is of a greater good, right? Mm -hmm. and especially when you think about it in terms of like a collective unity. And that was one of the things that you heard Mike talk about in our keynote today, where he said, James Loveland Sr. said, you know, great job on all your little accomplishments, but you're part of something bigger. Yeah. And I, I think about that in terms of how you create a mission, a vision, and a purpose that really resonates with employees to realize that they're part of something much bigger. And that's important for us to do that. And then absolutely, there is the coaching and mentoring that has to be done. I think that there should be, I, I think we need to be more direct with, with people. You can't beat around the bush. Employees aren't stupid. You have to be honest with them and you have to be real, but you also have to be positive to try to move them to that next stage in terms of performance for customers and, and for shareholders alike. And, and that's how we reward our employees. Plus, you have an, uh, your own vision that you're going to be bringing. I mean, that's why you're in this position is also to not just to not just to um, get things done, but also to have a vision of how to do it and where we're going. So, I mean, you have a whole new uh, message to give to your organization at, at the same time. Absolutely. Well, it's customer first. And what I'm focused on is for us to create solutions that create positive experiences that our customers love and choose to use every day. 
And each mm-hmm. one of those words are meant and built with purpose behind them. Mm-hmm. That's We haven't been loved by customers. They haven't chosen to use us every day. Yeah. And to the extent that we can focus on that experience and bring back that value proposition to where people nerd out on exactware, mm-hmm. yeah. I want that to happen again. Yeah. I, th- I think that that's a really uh, insightful uh, place to be. I, 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 I like that you recognize it's a great perception. some, some, and that you, that you recognize some of the history, right? And it, it hasn't always been what any company would want, right. but, but you have all the tools, right? We do. It doesn't have to be like that. Yeah. Not to say that it won't be challenging, but good for you to recognize that, that you could be in a position like you just said. And it should be fun. Mm-hmm. Like if we're not having fun, we're doing something wrong. Right. And creating value for customers is fun. Yeah. So have you, you know, in our, in our last moment here, have, have, have you put any thought into what you want your legacy to be in this role? Have you put any thought into what you want to be remembered a few years down the road, five years, 10 years, 30 years? Have you, you know, put any thought into that? Wow. That's, that's a really good question. It's a deep question. I want, for our customers to continue to be proud of what we do for them. I like that. I want our employees to be proud of who they work for. And I want their their family members to want to work for us. Right. That's been a big part of our culture that we've had. You're proud to say who you work for. And and most of our employees still are. Yeah. But I think we need to really lean in on the subculture, what people believe, and really propel that forward into the future. And that's where you get people that are excited and motivated around just killing it, doing that's some great. great things. That's great. Well, we are very excited about the future, and we wish you all the best luck. And we look forward to doing this again next year with you. Excellent. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for coming here. Thank you for having me on. Really appreciate it. Thanks again to Mike and Aaron for their great insight and transparency into what's going on here at Verisk. And we look forward to working with Aaron going into the future. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>